3 Podcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Janet, how are you doing? Hello, Lucia. I'm good. How are you? How are you feeling? This is our last episode of the year. Wow. Do you know what that means? It's December. Can you believe it? So we started the podcast in December. So that means that this is our four year anniversary. Whoa. (laughs) So who should we invite to this year's holiday party? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to the repodcasting holiday party? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> well, Tony Danza's invitation already went out. Tony Danza's the only invitation that matters. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. He's the only person I want at our holiday party, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, because it's tricky. The repodcasting all-stars are the ones we love to recast out of movies. Mm-hmm. So not sure we want to invite them. Yeah, that's true. You know what, though? I would also love to have Jack Black at our holiday party, which yes. is like a dream guest. <laughs> you know what? I bet Jack Black has the distinction of being one of the very, very few people who we've both cast into movies and cast out of movies. Yeah, yeah. Jack Black <laughs> is, I feel like he is the kind of person that would be a great guest at like a dinner party. Oh, for sure. He would bring some instrument and like bust out dance moves. and. But I feel like Tony Danza would also be like a really good dinner guest. Yeah, and I think we'd need like a, a good piano. We'd need to hire a piano player so that Tony could sing along. Yes, for sure. With Jack Black, oh my God. Oh boy. It has the <laughs> makings of like, this is wild. I'm loving this. Okay, we, we're totally getting off topic. We have to. <laughs> okay, uh, but we need to write that movie. Okay, so today we're talking about a movie that I selected to recast, and that is the 2005 movie called Fever Pitch. It's a rom-com starring Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon, and it was directed by the Farrelly brothers, which was a surprise. Is that why you picked this? Because I know that they're, you really enjoy the Farrelly brothers. I really enjoy Dumb and Dumber. Oh, okay. I don't know that I'd say I really enjoy the Farrelly brothers. Um, and in fact, our very first episode, what, this is like full circle. Our very first episode was also a Farrelly brothers movie, and that was Shallow Hell. Right which I did not like. <laughs> so yeah. no, I actually was surprised that they directed this when I was watching it the other day. And I picked it because I'm not a Jimmy Fallon fan. Right. And I liked the script of this movie. I had seen it once before when it was more or less new. And I did really like it. And I know I'm probably alone on that. I feel like it's not a very liked movie. But I think that Jimmy Fallon kind of ruined it. And if there was someone else in there, I'd like it a lot more. Sounds good. And so what was the box office for this? So the budget for this movie was 30 million and the box office was 51 million. So it was basically considered a flop. What? Really? That's a flop? Yeah, it was. Like just in the research that I did, it was basically considered a commercial flop. Because when you think about it, 
Yeah, it cost three million to make. I mean, yeah, but it profited twenty million. Right, but like twenty million is not a lot, really, in profit. Wow. It's not when you're yeah. talking about movies. It's actually not right. So yeah, it was considered a flop, and I think a lot of that was projected onto Jimmy Fallon. Is that right? In terms of its flopness. Yeah, like I feel like he was definitely a lot of the reviews that I read said that he sort of wrecked the movie wow. in essence. <laughs> yeah, that was really interesting. But yeah, mm, that is interesting. Okay, so the synopsis of the movie is Lindsay is stuck in the middle of her relationship with Ben and his passion for the Boston Red Sox. And just going by that synopsis, I would think this is a movie that I would hate because I don't care about sports at all not even a little bit. <laughs> but even so, I know that Boston has like a reputation for just being the most obnoxious fans of sports. So this sounds like something that I would hate. But what was interesting was I learned way before when I watched it the first time that it was loosely based on a Nick Hornby book, like an autobiographical story that he wrote also called Beaver Pitch, but about his love of European football or soccer. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. So and then I found out just the other day that it was originally made into a film in the UK starring Colin Firth. Yeah, I actually uh, read that. And I would be interested in watching that movie, actually, because Colin Firth doesn't I don't know. I would be interested in seeing him in this role and what he did with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's such a good actor that I would love to see his take on this character. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we take our first ad break before we get into our recasting? This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Many people don't call their optometrist first for urgent eye care when they need it. From spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections, if you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications, no referral necessary. And just a reminder, Alberta Health coverage is available towards your urgent eye care appointment. To find an optometrist in your area, visit optometrists.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. Learn more at optometrists.ab.ca. And now back to the show. So, uh, well, I guess I'll go first since I picked this movie. The only role that I wanted to recast was Jimmy Fallon because I do really like Drew Barrymore in this. I think she's really cute and she plays the role really well. And while I think most movies do a very bad job of showing like someone who's busy at work, like she's always just ruffling papers, which is silly. That's not her fault. I think she does a really great job. So for the Ben character, Jimmy Fallon, I actually... Like, I wanted to do the recasting. This was my idea. And then I'm watching the movie and I was kind of like, man, nobody's good enough <laughs> for this role. Nobody's good enough for Drew Barrymore. Because also, I put this restraint on myself. The movie was made in 2005 and the character is 30 years old. So I was like, okay, let's look for people around that same age. And man, oh man, sorry to all the people born around the same time as Jimmy Fallon. I could not find 
a actor who I thought was charming enough or charismatic enough to put into this role. So I had to go with someone a little older and that's Paul Rudd. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's yeah, like Paul Rudd is so young looking Lucia. Exactly. Like, yeah. So that doesn't matter. He could easily have played 30 when he was 36. Of course. Yeah. He looks 36 now. <laughs> oh my God. And I don't even know. He's like almost 50, I think. Or I think he's in his 50s. He might even be over 50 and he looks like he's 36. Like that guy has a fountain of youth in his backyard. Exactly. So I knew it wouldn't be an issue. And also just like Paul Rudd is someone who is so adorable and charming and handsome and because the character is supposed to kind of come across initially as like almost too good to be true. And then she discovers his obsession with the Red Sox. So who else could fit that but Paul Rudd? Yeah, that's a good, I like him for the role, definitely. Thanks. I did have a second one because I was kind of feeling like initially we use Paul Rudd too much. Although I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I was feeling that. But then I was kind of going back through like casting and I don't know if I have. But anyway, I had picked a second person just because. And this is someone who in 2005 would not have gotten a starring role like this, but Mark Duplass, I don't know if you know who he is. Oh, yes, yes, I do. Yeah, he was in The League and Safety Not Guaranteed. He's in the movie Bombshell and People Like Us. So he was 29 at the time. And while the more that I learn about Mark Duplass, he kind of seems like... um, a little up his own ass. <laughs> like he takes himself a little too seriously and everything. Yeah. But everything I've seen him and I've always thought he's really good. Sure. So I think that he could have played that really well too. And I just want to say, Lucia, like I hope we're manifesting something out into the universe because like I would love to see Drew Barrymore and Paul Rudd in a movie together. Yes. Now that you said it, I don't think they've ever worked together. I don't think they've ever actually done anything together. And I would love to see that. Like, that would be so good. I'm having deja vu because I'm pretty sure, and I need to go back and listen to make sure, I'm pretty sure in our first episode, you cast Drew Barrymore and Paul Rudd into Shallow Hell. Really? And we had that exact same conversation of like, yeah. how have they never been in a movie together? Yeah. Like, isn't it wild that they're both, they've been around for so long and they've had like these amazing careers and they basically, like they've done so much and yet they've never worked together. Yeah. And I think their chemistry would be off the charts. Yeah. Like sometimes it makes me really, I don't know, it's just disappointing the way that Hollywood is not creative in their casting because that would be like I would love that that would be such an interesting pairing and I think that they would be um I don't know I think they would work well together yeah it uh it continually disappoints me that Hollywood does not listen to our podcast (laughs) (laughs) yes it continually disappoints me that we are not the gatekeepers in Hollywood (laughs) Why are we not running a a movie studio, Lucia? (laughs) We could do it. I mean, come on. (laughs) Anybody can do that job. Whatever. (laughs) Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? No? No. Okay, so I will go next. Yeah, I had seen this before many, many years ago and didn't really especially enjoy it when I had first watched it like I thought it was an okay romantic comedy but even 
back then when I watched it, I mean, I probably watched this like at least 15 years ago, right? right? I didn't think much of it then either. However, I did like the chemistry between Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon. Like, I thought it was definitely there. I just didn't like the movie. Like, <laughs> it spoke to me. But the actual pairing of them, I enjoyed. Like, I thought they were good together. So I wanted, and I, I mean, I don't think Jimmy Fallon was good in this. Like, I don't think that's where his strengths are. Like, he tried his hand at acting and it didn't work out for yeah. him, right? So I totally understand why, you know, they're saying, I mean, I don't know that it's fair to say that it was a flop because of him. I mean, the script is okay, but I don't know. I think definitely with a different actor, like, I think maybe it would have, maybe it would have been a better movie. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see once we're done here. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Jimmy Fallon as Ben Reitman. I wanted to pick someone who I thought that Drew Barrymore has really good chemistry that we've seen before. And so I went with Adam Sandler. <laughs> what? <laughs> Woo! Uh, yeah, I selected Adam Sandler because you know what? I have seen him in two romantic comedies now with Drew Barrymore, and I always think that they work. Actually, they've done three romantic comedies yeah. together, yeah. And they always work very, very well together. Their chemistry is always very good, right? I would have to say one of my favorite romantic comedies is 51st Date. Okay. Yeah, I actually really like it, and I think that I don't know. Um, Drew Barrymore has this mad, like this magical quality where she actually makes Adam Sandler likable when they're <laughs> in a movie together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she actually, when she is starring opposite him, she actually has that powerful ability to make Adam Sandler just you know, likable, like he's, I don't know, I really enjoy watching them together. So I thought that he would be sort of a, a fun, interesting choice and the chemistry would be there. And I could actually see him as this character. Like, oh, yeah. I could totally see it, definitely. Because it's the character's sort of, I don't know, I thought he was like a bit of a, a bumbling kind of, you know, character and... I thought Adam Sandler could play that. So. Yeah, the character is kind of like stunted and not ready to grow up. And Adam Sandler can play that perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I am shocked by your Why? choice. No, no, I am because you don't like Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, but I like him when he's with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. She makes him likable. Right, right. That's. The Drew Barrymore magic, I think. Okay. Definitely. Well, I'll say this. Wedding Singer is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I love seeing them together. And I think that they like working together. I really do. I believe that because, you know, they've worked together often enough that they obviously enjoy each other. Yeah. Well, that's great. I never would have guessed that, but I love it. <laughs> um <laughs> So I don't know if you were reading into like the making of the movie, 
so the initial book and then the 1997 fever pitch movie with Colin Firth are both about a team that has had like a long stretch of losses and then they win. Now, when this movie, when it was switched to be in the U.S., uh, I think initially they were looking at maybe doing the Chicago. Ooh, now I forget if it was the Cubs or the White Sox. Anyway, a Chicago team. But then they switched to the Red Sox because it was a team that had lost for like 80 something years. And also it was a team that would do really well and then lose in the playoffs. So it was like they'd get your hopes up and break your heart every time kind of thing. And so when they switched over to have Boston Red Sox be the team at the center of the movie, I think that this was because of the curse. They didn't want to jinx it. So they didn't want to write into the movie that they win that year. So the movie was written as though they lose again. Okay. Then they started, like, they were actually filming at a lot of the games, and Boston was doing really well, and Boston made it through the playoffs, and Boston's in the finals. And so they essentially ended up rewriting it because of what happened in real life. So even though I don't care about sports, I thought that was kind of interesting the way it played out. Yeah, I try not to get, uh, like, I didn't want to get into the whole all of this to be honest because i'm not a sports person at all and i knew that i would get all of this wrong and all of the facts and the (laughs) jargon (laughs) and i don't want anyone who's like you know a sports fan or a sports expert or a sports enthusiast to be all like offended so i thought i'm just I'll let you talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. That. I'm not delving into those waters. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, when they were in the final game, now I, I won't remember exactly how many games they won, but they knew it could be the final game of the World Series. They were filming in Toronto at the time, and then the game was in St. Louis, and so they jumped like seven people, a tiny crew, jumped on a plane and went to St. Louis. And because the movie was being made by Fox Studios, and then the game was being broadcast by Fox, they essentially, like the movie studio people, called up the Fox Sports people and said, hey, how many cameras do you have on the field? Can we use one of your camera people? And so then they flew Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon and then whatever, five other people, uh, four other people down. They didn't even fly hair and makeup or anything like (laughs) Drew Barrymore said her and Jimmy Fallon were like doing each other's makeup and stuff on the way down. And then they had the sports camera person film some shots of them at the final game and running on the field when they won and doing all that. So that must have been really fun. But speaking of, sorry, I did bring that up for a reason. So I thought it was really interesting that Drew Barrymore mentioned that no hair and makeup people came because now this was just for that final scene. Fine. But I was noticing throughout the whole movie, Drew Barrymore looked like she the hair person hated her because her hair was like so scraggly and messy and greasy at some points throughout the entire movie. It just looked awful in almost every scene. I was like, who did she piss off? (laughs) Wow, I didn't find that. Really? Oh man, it was something that really stuck out to me. And then Jimmy Fallon also, but I was looking at, um, so I was looking at pictures of Paul Rudd in 2005 to see what he looked like back then and just like people in 2005, I think the style was messy hair. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I'm thinking because that's all the images that kept popping up. That's certainly the pandemic hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For my pandemic look, that's the 2021 look 
the messy hairstyle. Oh yeah, with, I've got it right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad situation over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And did you notice? So I'm going to bring this up. Like this is only interesting maybe to me and you because we grew up in Oshawa. Did you notice that Parkwood Estate from Oshawa was one of the filming spots? No, I actually didn't. Yeah. The Roaring Twenties birthday party of her friend. Oh, when... that was filmed at Parkwood? Oh, wow. It was. That's hilarious. No, I missed yeah. that. I didn't even notice yeah. it when I was watching the movie, actually. Well, I think mm-hmm. I've only been to Parkwood like maybe once. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't know it anyway, even if it... Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting that Jimmy Fallon actually met his future wife on this movie. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Nancy. Nancy Juvonen. Because Drew Barrymore, her production company, helped produce this. It, what's her production? Oh. Flower Films. And Nancy was her producing partner. And Jimmy Fallon met her on this movie. That's cute. It was a little, it was a meet cute, a little love match. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's nice. Yeah, the rest of the notes I have on it is just kind of like about baseball. Yeah. All of the results and games in the movie are real, except for the one when they are at the Roaring Twenties party and Boston comes back in the bottom of the ninth scoring eight runs. That's the only part that wasn't real. Everything else was actually how it happened during that season in real life. And then I thought this was really nice. The premiere of the film, they did it at Fenway Park. They put up a screen on center field. Yeah, I think that was one of the the reasons that perhaps I just couldn't get into the movie either is because I'm not into baseball. I don't care about it. So that aspect of it, which is a huge aspect of the movie, right? Like didn't appeal to me. So I think that's part of the reason why I just never could get into it. Like, I think I would probably enjoy the British version of this movie with Colin Firth, because I actually do really enjoy football or soccer as Mm -hmm. we refer to it here in, in North America. I really do enjoy that sport. So I think perhaps that movie would just appeal to me on a different level. And also like I'm an Anglophile, like I love anything. I love anything that's British. So I'm sure I would love the British version (laughs) of this movie. (laughs) Well, I, I find it funny that you say, I agree with you, but I do find it funny that you say that because I also don't care about baseball at all. So to me, that almost made me relate to Drew Barrymore's character more because she also doesn't care about baseball, but she found herself with this guy who's like fanatically obsessed with it. And so I don't know, I felt like I could go on that journey with her of like, oh, is this is this a deal breaker? Is it too much? Is it something I can get behind? Because I have to say, I am extremely grateful (laughs) that my husband doesn't really care about sports. Right, right. Yeah, because I don't know, like I see people who get really and maybe not as fanatic as Jimmy Fallon's character in this movie. But I see people who get like really, really superstitious about it and crazy about it. And they have to spend every Sunday sitting in front of the TV watching their sports and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, I that would bother me. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So... The only other thing I will mention is that because of that British movie with Colin Firth from 1997, this movie was released as the perfect catch everywhere except for Canada and the U.S. 
Yeah, that's right. In the UK, that's what it was called, the perfect touch. I'm sure no one in the UK even bothered with this. I doubt it. No, they're like, who cares about this? They don't give a shit about baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you have any other interesting tidbits. Okay. That's it. Then I will say that the ratings for this movie are on IMDb, it got a 56% from 37 critics. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 65% from 196 reviewers. So that's pretty, pretty meh. Pretty low. Yeah. Pretty mediocre. Yeah. Exactly. It is just one of those, it's like a meh kind of movie. It's so forgettable, in my opinion. See, for me, I liked a lot of the dialogue. It felt more realistic than your average rom-com. I don't know why. I just, for some reason, the way they interacted with one another and it just all rang true to me. So I, I like this movie quite a bit. It's real life for you, Lucia. Except that it's not. Like, I've never dated a guy who really likes sports or is right. obsessed with anything. So in that regard, yeah. it didn't ring true to me, but it just it felt realistic. Okay, fair enough. Anywho, (laughs) why don't we uh, take our second break before our final and favorite segment. Repodcasting is brought to you by ATB. ATB was built to help Alberta businesses. From CEBA applications to lending information, debt consolidation loans or deferrals, whatever your business is facing right now, ATB is here to help with expert advice. And with today's economy, top of mind in business, stay up to date with the Future Of podcast, hosted by ATB's chief economist, Todd Hirsch. To learn more, visit atb.com. And now back to the show. So now it is time for our final segment. Uh Uh-oh. We need to fire that intern of ours. (laughs) Take two. And now it is time for our final segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. Okay, intern, you keep your job for another day. (laughs) it's time for hold me close young tony danza the segment where we cast tony danza into one of the roles in this movie janet what do you think where did you stick tony so i cast tony as uncle carl oh okay yeah because tony has that loving avuncular kind of vibe like i could see him as uncle carl and i wanted to I don't know. I was just, I wanted Tony to have like a feel good kind of role. That's lovely. I like that a lot. I, again, same as last month, cast him into two different roles. I just couldn't decide. (laughs) So the first one is Kevin, which is played by Willie Garson, who sadly passed away recently. And that is the, what was it called? Um, Anesthesiologist, who is friends with Jimmy Fallon, with Ben. So, yeah, I thought he'd be fun in that role, like somebody who loves baseball, but he's kind of more like the the smart, more grown-up friend of all of Ben's friends. <laughs> so right. I thought he'd be good in that. And then the other one, because I thought it was just kind of like a funny role and it'd be fun to see him in that, is uh, Drew Barrymore's dad. Yeah, I thought of that, <laughs> too. But it seemed too obvious. I, I wanted to, I don't know, I almost cast Tony as, as Ben. Okay. I wanted to give him the starring role, but then I thought I've been doing that a lot lately. So <laughs> I wanted him to like have a break and, you know, not to have to learn so many lines. Sure. 
I wanted to see him with the like skunk hair with that whole journey oh. for the dead. <laughs> yeah. um, but realistically, he should be cast as one of the baseball players because he did do that as a That's young man. True. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, he's multi-talented. He could play any role, really. That's what I was about to say. Absolutely. We could put him in any role in this movie and he'd be wonderful. That's right. Okay, so I think that does it for this month. Um, Janet, we're kicking off the new year. Yes. And it's going to be our 50th episode. What? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so join us, everyone, in 2022. That's the future. Sounds so weird. (laughs) (laughs) And let's hope. 2022 (laughs) brings us positivity good vibes and we are gonna kick the year off with a romantic comedy another one this time a british romantic comedy because i love all things that are british (laughs) so we're going to be recasting the film notting hill Starring Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. You can catch it on Netflix. And I'm not sure where else. But since most people have access to Netflix, I would say that's probably your best bet to watch it. And we are going to be recasting the role of Julia Roberts, which I believe her character is called Anna in the movie. Because... Julia Roberts, that was a gift for her, that role, and I'm not so sure she deserved it. So (laughs) let's work our recasting magic, Lucia. Okay. I'll let you know now. I'm a little disappointed I have to watch this again. I did not enjoy it the first time, but we'll see. It'll be be an interesting activity to watch it thinking of someone else in the role. Well, when was the last time you you even saw this movie? It's probably been a while. Yeah, exactly. So you're due for a rewatch. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how well it holds up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if, uh, if you guys have any suggestions, dear listeners, for movies we should recast, or if you want to send us your recasting choices for any of the movies that we've done on the show, you can do that via email at repodcasting at gmail.com or on any of the social media things at repodcasting. And so... Join us next month for recasting of Julia Roberts in Notting Hill. Janet, thank you as always for joining me. Thanks, Lucia. Bye. Bye. Hello again, Lucia here, just to say that Notting Hill unfortunately has been removed from Netflix. So for any listeners in Canada, you can still watch it on Crave or on Amazon Prime. So be sure to watch it and recast along with us.